Psalm chapter number 19 is where we're going to be tonight. The title of the message is Declaring God's Glory. Psalm chapter number 19. Let's read a couple verses here, and then I'll go and pray, and we'll get into what I believe God has for us here tonight. Uh, The Bible says in Psalm 19 and verse number 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. Let's go to pray. Father, we are thankful for the opportunity just to be here tonight, Lord, and thankful for the opportunity to be able to bring your word. But Lord, it is a big responsibility. And I ask, Lord, that what you place on my heart, the message, that you help me to preach it with clarity. Uh, Help me to speak in a way, Lord, uh, that is clear um, to this church, Lord, here tonight. You have wonderful creation all around us, Lord. And uh, I'm amazed, I'm awestruck by it. And uh, I see your power through it all. But Lord, through everything, I see the power in us human beings that you created. And you created us to glorify your name. And Lord, I pray that we would do just that. And as we leave tonight, I pray that there would be something in this message that you put on my heart that would be practical for this church, that as we leave, we'd be doers of your word, not just here as only help us to be wise and build our houses on the rock and not on sand, and help us to be doers of your word. And we'll give you glory for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Psalm chapter number 19, we find here David writing. Uh, uh, one of my favorite passages, once again, because it deals with creation. I love being outdoor. And like I said, I love insects. When I was younger, I used to catch moths, butterflies, caterpillars. Uh, I was pretty mean, actually. I used to get magnifying glasses and put them on snails and kind of watch them burn. It's kind of, that's kind of mean. But, I mean, I, I just loved always being outdoors and, and seeing different insects. Um, I, I love many kind of different reptiles. Um, I'm trying to convince my wife if I can get a pet snake. Um, I... I don't mind snakes. <laughs> She's nodding now. Uh, I don't mind snakes. I mean, I know some of them are venomous. Okay, I'm not trying to get a venomous one and let it bite me, whatever. Okay, but I mean, I, I love reptiles and, and, and insects and all these things, and I love just God's creation. And as we open up here, David is writing, and he's talking about how the heavens, and I love the next words, the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. And when we look up in the universe, when we look up at the stars, when we look up at uh, what God has created, it's almost screaming out to us, Jehovah, master, creator, engineer, Amen. artist, designer. And that's what the Bible is talking about, is that when we read these things, when we look at creation all around us, it's saying there is a God. There is a God, and his name is Jehovah, Elohim, the strong one, the one to be feared. And when we look at creation, it tells us all around, and, and it's almost like a universal language, the Bible says. We have different countries where they have different languages, and I can't necessarily speak to them, and, and I wish I could say, hey, there is a God, and I can't, but the universe can. It's a universal language that when people see creation, when people see heavens, they look, and they should be awestruck and say, wow, there is a God. How can there not be? By what we see around us. And so David is simply writing about the heavens and how they declare the glory to God. This universe and the earth and the creatures that live in it show God's, here's one of my favorite words here, God's handiwork. God's handiwork. I love that. I just love thinking how God made things, designed things, and, and he has a handiwork. And God is a master designer. He's a master creator and engineer. And as we look around creation, there are many examples of what I believe to be God's handiwork. 
you can look around and you see God's handiwork. We know we have trillions of stars innumerable. That's what God told Abraham in Genesis 12. See if you can number the stars. That's what I'm going to make your seed. And we have many stars bigger than the earth. And God knows the name of each and every single one. I love when we look through Genesis and when it talks about creation. I love how it just says, and he made the stars also, as if it was nothing to him. And there's innumerable amounts of stars. And the Bible says he knows each and every single name of them. Now, what I want to do for the next few moments, Jeremiah says that his eye affected his heart. And so I don't usually do this, but I have some pictures tonight that I want you to look at with me. And what I want you to see is I want you to see for yourself God's handiwork. And so if I can have Brother Hopper go and switch to the next picture here. Anybody know what planet this is? Saturn. Saturn. Saturn is the planet in the picture. And one of the most beautiful planets just to look at. You know, there are four other planets that have rings but by far, Saturn has the biggest rings out of all of them. And, and those, those rings that you see, they're, they're not solid. They have some boulders, some ice chunks in it. And it's actually moving the speed of a bullet, which is why it looks like that. But when we look at creation, when you look at Saturn, it's, it's amazing to see God's power. It's amazing to see God's glory in what you do. Now, it says from the inside, and by the way, uh, in, our, in our radio, I got to know this website, the Institute for Creation Research. I heard it on 107.1, and I use, I use all these different things, and, and uh, I, I, a lot of the information I got tonight, you can find right up on the Institute for Creation Research that I looked at, um, and I encourage you to look at it. It is so cool. It's such cool stuff on there. But uh, Saturn here, you could lay 67 countries the size of the United States end-to-end on just one side of Saturn. 67 countries the size of the United States. And the rings are like great disks of asteroids and boulders moving as fast as bullets. And the rings are made up mostly of ice, for they are bright white in the sunlight. And if you and I could somehow float inside that planet, we might be able to see a halo around the sun and many strange colors reflecting off the icy chunks. This is truly one of the most extraordinary places in God's creation. I'd love to just step place on that planet one day. <laughs> I don't know if God would let us see his full creation, but I love looking at it. You know, this picture is actually taken on July 20th of this year. And it was posted here in, in an article for the Institute for Creation Research. And, you know, this, this uh, institute, you know, tries to use creation to prove that there's a God and prove the Bible to be true and history and accurate. And uh, as, as they put this here, they put it in an article that I want you to read that was written from NASA. And NASA, they looked at this, and when you look at the Saturn here, you understand it's a, it looks youthful. It looks like a young planet. And that's, that's, you may not understand, but that's a big deal because according to evolutionists, this world is 75 billion years old and older. And, and NASA has a problem. They look at this and say, it's so strange how we've lived for this many years, supposedly 75 billion years, over 100 billion years ago, and Yet, we have a recent picture here of Saturn, and it looks so young. It looks so fresh and, and brand new. And this is what I want, this is, uh, I want you to read what NASA wrote. This is what they said, quote, Just how and when the rings of Saturn formed remains one of our solar system's biggest mysteries. Conventional wisdom is that they are, they are as old as the planet over four billion years, but because the rings are so bright, like freshly fallen snow, a competing theory is that they may have been formed during the age of the dinosaurs. And many astronomers agree that there is no satisfactory theory that explains how rings could have formed within just a past few hundred million years. End quote. Here's a simple explanation. God made it. 
God made it, and he made it with the appearance of age. Like he made Adam and Eve with the appearance of age. He created the trees with the appearance of age. And God made it. And when you look at this, when you look at the planets, and I wish I could go into depth with so many more, but I have, I have a couple more pictures here to show you some, some things. But I wish that we can just park here and just understand it and be awestruck. But when you look at Saturn, when you look at the heavens like God has made, God looks at this, when we look at this and we say, wow, the heavens declare that, that planet, its design, its features are screaming out, hey, there's a God, my name is Jehovah. I'm the master creator. I'm the master designer and engineer, and I created it. Look at my power, the Elohim, the strong one, the one to be feared. If you could go to the next one now, a lot of you might not like this one. This is uh, called Portia. Portia is a spider. Anybody like spiders in here? Anybody? <laughs> Nobody? <laughs> a couple of you, okay? Spiders. I don't mind spiders. I, uh, I don't. Uh, <laughs> in Florida, man, California, we get spiders, but in Florida, you got these massive, like, wolf spiders all over the wall, and they're, and they're huge. Okay? You don't get that in California, but you got some big spiders here in Florida. But this is one of my favorite spiders here. The name of this spider is called Portia. Uh, I, when I look at this, I think it's a pretty spider. That's, that's just me. Okay? I think that's a beautiful, wonderful creation of God. But Portia is a very, very interesting spider. In fact, Portia is one of the smartest spiders uh, out there in creation. All, all of God's creation is amazing and wonderful, but Portia is one of the most smart, genius spiders out there. She's also a, a jumping spider, if anybody doesn't mind the jumping spiders. I actually don't really like the jumping spiders. I don't like, I like to see them crawl, but not jump. She can jump around 46 inches per jump. Uh, you see the eyes in the front. She has two bulging eyes right there in the front. And on each side of her head, she has an extra three eyes. So totaling, that spider has eight eyes altogether. Now here's what's amazing is that when God created this spider here, this spider can see in almost 360 degrees all around. Everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, something interesting about this spider is that uh, it eats other spiders. <laughs> it eats other spiders. This, this spider is so amazing in the, in, the way it, in the way it attacks its predators. This spider is capable of learning and becoming smarter. This spider, uh, when, when it looks around for a prey, and, it, and, it looks, and most of the time it eats other spiders that are bigger than it. And when it looks for other spiders, uh, this spider starts... Uh, planning and scheming how he's going to get to that spider. And so he can see its world in 3D, and uh, uh, if you can imagine a spider on the web, uh, just to give you an instance of what this spider does, giving you its how genius and smart and awesome it is in God's creation, this spider went over another spider's web, and, and kind of the spider, if this was, my hand was a spider, if you can imagine, on its web, and Portia here just kind of went down in her web from above and attacked from above because the spider had no idea it was there and just ate that spider. Give you another illustration of how this spider works. Portia went to a web of a spider, and if you all don't know, usually when you have a, a fly go into a web, kind of gets that vibration of the, of the web and letting the spider know, hey, I've caught something, I'm going to get it. So this spider, Portia, she would go to a web, and using one of her eight legs, she'd get one of her legs and grab hold of one of the other enemy prey that she's going to eat, that spider. She'd start just plucking that string. Bong, bong, you just kind of hear it. And then that spider thinks, oh, I've got something, and it heads towards the vibrations. And as soon as that spider comes close, she jumps on it and eats it. Okay? That's amazing. That's amazing. And that's just a little bit of, of God's creation. And that's Portia, a jumping spider. And 
uh, eats other spiders and really, really intelligent. And if she ever failed, she learns what not to do and she tries a different and adapts in her situations. It's an amazing spider. It's intelligent and I love it and it's awesome. One of my favorite spiders. If you can go to the next slide here. This is what's called, we find in the book of Job. The book of Job, you hear what's called a creature called behemoth. Behemoth in Job chapter number 40. Behemoth simply means huge beast. Huge beast. We find that in Job chapter number 40. And you know what's awesome here, and, and this, this credits evolution as well, because evolution will say that man didn't live alongside dinosaurs when God is, is describing behemoth to Job as if he had seen it with his own very eyes, and he did. I can assure you that, that man lived alongside dinosaurs. And so as we look at the description, and for time's sake, we won't go there, but to begin with, behemoth, the Bible says, was made with thee, talking to Job. And whatever it was, it was created at the same time as man was. Behemoth was an enormous animal that moved his tail like a cedar, moved his tail like a cedar tree. His bones represented bars of iron, the Bible says. Behemoth was the chief of God's ways, the Bible says in Job chapter number 40, and only he that made him can make his sword to approach him. And this animal illustrates something of the enormous power of the Creator and gives evidence that only God could control it because of how big it is. This creature got around 70, listen to this, that creature got around 70 to 90 feet in length, nearly 15 feet high in the hips, and the tail which represented the cedar tree would get to about 50 feet long, just like a cedar tree. And it had peg-like uh, teeth, which suggested that its diet was plants. But once again, you think about a creature, and I wish I would have been able to live alongside this creature and seen it with my very eyes, but we have the bones of this. And you, you look at this, the chief of God's creation, and no man can tame that but God because he's powerful. And when we look at a creature like this, as God is trying to tell Job, were you were there when I created this creature? Do you think you can handle this creature? Imagine me, the God of all creation, with enormous power who created a creature like this. And once again, when we look at this, we think of a, a master designer, a master creator, an engineer who created everything. If you can go to the next slide, just one chapter over in the book of Job, we have what's called Leviathan. Leviathan. This is one of those creatures, once again, that I, man, I wish I could could have seen there. And this is uh, recently, all this information, by the way, in these pictures are taken from the Institute for Creation Research, this one as well. And, and on the very top, it's called the Dinosuchus. The Dinosuchus. You have a regular crocodile on the bottom that's in green, and then you have mankind there in blue waving. And when you look at the very top, recently discovered the Dinosuchus in yellow was about 40 feet in length. 40 feet in length. And if you read Job chapter number 41, you find that this reptile was an aquatic reptile, almost like, a, like an alligator. Its scales, the Bible says, are so closely knit together that air can't seep through. One of the scales in, in, described in Hebrews translated for shield, shielded. And not only that, as that when they discovered the Dinosuchus here, uh, the Bible teaches that this is an uh, aquatic crocodile that says smoke goes out of his nostrils and a flame out of his mouth. And I'm thinking, that's like a dragon. That sounds awesome. And I want to see that. And recently discovers this Dinosuchus that has chambers in its nose, nostrils for breathing on the top, and other chambers that 
press out forward that talk about God's creation. And once again, you look at this and, and, and you think of, man, how mighty and powerful God is. I have two more after this, and just bear with me. I just want you to see for yourself God's amazing creation. That's the Dinosuchus here that God created. Um, and the next one, before you go to the next one, let me describe this next creature to you. Uh, the head has a crown on it. It has a kangaroo pouch, the tail of a monkey, and a crown on its head. Anybody know what creature it is? A tail of a monkey, a pouch of a kangaroo, a crown on its head, and a head of a horse. You can, you can go to the next slide. A seahorse. A seahorse. It has a pouch like a kangaroo, a tail of a monkey, a crown on its head, and a head like a horse. And uh, <laughs> the scientific name is kind of funny. It's called hippocampus. It's called the horse caterpillar for the scientific name. But the seahorse is it's pretty amazing, too. Um, I just love the way God built it and the way it looks like. And uh, underwater, this isn't the most uh, fearsome predator. And just for time's sake, just to skip on how it defends itself, is that God created this creature so that when enemies pass by, it goes hides in coral reefs and, and the sponges here and, and it's bright colored, and it goes camouflage. And it takes the color of bright red, bright green, bright yellow, and it completely blends in and just kind of starts flowing as if it's coral so that the other uh, predators that come by just ignore it. And I just think, man, that's so genius. And once again, you know, it's amazing that other people look at these things and they'll claim, well, evolution is a God that made this thing. But we understand and we see God's handiwork in this. Once again, God's handiwork and how he created each and every single one of these animals. We've seen God's creative stamp in all corners of the universe. The world is covered with life, and that life takes on all kinds of faces. There are things with horns, antlers, thorns, leaves, skin, hide, scales, feathers, spines, flowers, cones, feet, tentacles, wings, and fins. There are many bright colors in nature, but beyond that, some plants and animals actually glow in the dark. And this living light is called bioluminescence. Creatures flash their fashion by using two chemical, chemicals called luciferin and luciferase. These two chemicals glow when they're mixed with oxygen. In the ocean, in the depths of the ocean, eight out of every ten animals are bioluminescent. They glow. And some deep sea creatures glow all the time. And one of the most famous bioluminescent, and last pictures before I get into something else, of one of the most famous bioluminescent creatures is next the lightning bug, or a.k.a. the firefly. Now, uh, this bug is amazing. During June and July, after spending most of the year underground, the fireflies finally emerge, and light produces in the firefly's abdomen section, and it flashes on and off in a specific, a specific pattern or code. And there are more than 2,000 species of fireflies, and each species has its own light code. And most of the males and females blink back these kind of uh, uh, flashes that they do uh, of the light. Uh, the most extreme light show that we know uh, that have been put on by these bugs here is in Southeast Asia. Millions of fireflies gather in the trees of the tropical rainforests of Malaysia, Thailand, and the Philippines, and they all glow at the same time. And more than 100 times each minute they flash, which means that miles and miles of glowing Shimmering trees can be seen at night because of the radical glowing fireflies. And uh, th those are the end of the pictures, but when I see each and every single one of these creatures, not even close to everything God had created, but each and every single one is God's handiwork. God's handiwork. And it tells us He's Jehovah, He's omnipotent, 
omniscient, the Lord of Lord, King of Kings, the master engineer, the master designer and creator. And honestly, the more I think about these things, the sun, the moon, the stars, and, and all of God's creation, it's honestly, to me personally, a little bit overwhelming. It's amazing. And what I want to kind of focus on for the last 10 minutes here tonight is yet the master and crown jewel creation, the pinnacle of creation is you and me, humans. I want you to go to Psalm 8 with me for a second, please. Psalm chapter number 8, just a couple chapters back. Psalm chapter number 8. Look with me at verse number 1. It's a really short chapter. I'll read it all. Psalm chapter number 8. Look at verse number 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, like we just talked about, the work of thy fingers, God's handiwork, the moon, the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thine hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, all the beasts of the field, all the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. The most amazing creation of God is you and me. You and me. We are the most complex of God's creation. The most, Psalms 139, fearfully and wonderfully made. My substance was not hid from me, the Bible says. Life at conception. Even if we can't see it, there is a life in the womb, according to Psalms 139. And you and I were fearfully and wonderfully created nine months in the womb when God had created us. And we are beautiful creatures of God. David said this in Psalms 139, 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. We are the pinnacle of God's creation. We are the most wonderful and complex of God's creation. Why? Because we're created in His image. We're created in God's own image. We are not a higher form of animal. I'm not a primate. I'm not, I don't come from a monkey. We are living souls with the breath of God within us. The Bible says that Adam was formed out of the dust of the ground, and the, God said that he breathed into Adam the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And we were created in God's image. That's why you find capital punishment in Genesis chapter number 9. Don't kill people because we're created in God's image. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We have God's breath in us. According to Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 10, here's that kind of idea of handiwork again. We are God's workmanship workmanship. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. I want you to go to Matthew chapter number five with me. Matthew chapter number five. And look at verse number 13. Matthew chapter number five and verse number 13. Then I'll reread here Ephesians chapter number two, verse 10. You don't have to turn to Ephesians, but look at Matthew chapter number five and verse number 13. Now, here's the thought here tonight that God put in my heart and convicted me with. I love creation. 
And according to Psalms 19, the Bible says that all the heavens, all of creation glorifies God. It declares His glory. But above all His creation, the most fearfully wonderful thing He made was you and me. And you know that God created us for the same purpose, to declare His glory. And you know, one day God put on my heart, because I love watching Animal Planet and these shows, and God put on my heart, it's like, can a seahorse glorify God more than I can? Can a behemoth glorify God more than I can? Does Saturn glorify God more than I can? And if it does, that ought not to be. That's what God convicted me about. Even his, his own creation glorifies Him. And sometimes we let His creation, nature specifically, out glorify God more than we should. And that was convicting to me, and I said, God, don't let that be in my life. Let me glorify you more than your own creation, more than these insects and the trees and the heavens. Let me declare your glory more than them. And the Bible says, look at Ephesians chapter number 5, look at verse number 13. How in the world are we going to glorify God? Well, it says here, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. And just like how the firefly and the bioluminescent creation lights up darkness, you and I are supposed to light up this dark, lost, and dying world. We're supposed to be a light to this world. Now, stay with me for a second. How in the world do we do that? How in the world do we be a light to this world? Well, it's found in verse number 16. And it says this, Let your light shine before men. Why? That they may see your, what are the next two words? Good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know that I don't know your heart, but God does? You know that you don't know my heart, but God does? I don't know anybody's heart. A good way for me as a human being to get to know what's going on in your heart is by what I see you do. The Bible says that mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart. And a good way for me to get to know you is to see how you act, how you behave. You know what God says? That's what man needs right now. They need to see genuine Christians living out what God has placed for us in our lives. Because man doesn't know our hearts as Christians. I think a lot of you in this room, including myself, we love the Lord. But this world isn't going to know unless we do these good works. Now, don't misunderstand me. Good works do not get us to heaven. But they're a testimony, and it allows us to be a light unto this world. And when we do good works, well, then we're saying, glorify God in heaven. Glorify Him. All glory belongs to Him. Ephesians chapter number 2, verse 10, again, it says, We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto, here it is again, good works. James talks about, what good is your faith without works? It's dead. What good is it? Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Like the firefly glows in the dark, and like the ocean creatures light up the pitch blackness of the ocean depths, you and I need to be a light to this lost and dying world. Like the heavens and the earth and all the creatures that inhabit it, inhabit it declare the glory of God, you and I need to be declaring the glory of God by how we live, how we talk. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verses 19-20 through 20 says what? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 
1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, the Bible says, do all to the glory of God. 2 Peter chapter number 3, verse 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Revelation chapter number 4, verse 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Some practical things that God put on my heart for good works. Maybe we should donate the extra dollar to the kids in need next time we purchase at a store. Maybe we should hold open the door for people who are coming in after us. I need to work on this next one. Maybe we should let the car in our lane, even though he turned his blinkers on late to get into the turning lane and there's no room. We should slow down and let him in. Maybe we should share homes when missionaries come, in there, come to visit and they need a place to stay. Maybe we should let others go before us and line at a grocery store every now and then, whether they have more stuff or less stuff than we do. Maybe we should go help people move, even though we have plans for that day and it might ruin them. Maybe we should give someone our seat when there are no more. Maybe we should help pick up something that someone else dropped instead of walking by and ignoring it. Just some practical things, good works, good deeds that when hopefully other people see, we're different. We're not like the rest of this world. We're not of this world. Last couple verses and we'll be done here. Romans 10, 12, 10 says, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Titus chapter number 2, verse 14 says, Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, a different, noticeable people, zealous, up here it is again, good works. 1 Peter 2, 9, and then we'll pray. But you are a chosen generation, a royal, a royal, royal priesthood, a holy nation, a pecul peculiar people, that ye, here it is, should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's pray.